0: Welcome back to the B2B Grow Show. I'm Dan Sanchez. And today, we're doing another episode on the How to Podcast series. And I'm joined with James Carberry, the founder of Sweetfish Media and the creator of this show. So James, how are you doing today?
1: I am fantastic, my man. I'm really excited to dive into this topic because it's something that is a big part of the conversations that we have internally at Sweetfish. And it's a huge part of our customers' experience because... It's such a huge part of the success of of a B2B podcast. So I'm I'm really excited to kind of have our thoughts organized around this and and dive into this today.
0: Today we're talking about how to name a podcast. It's a topic that's come up frequently even over the last month, over the last multiple months is we've had more and more discussions with launching our own podcast around naming and even a bunch of our customers. How do you properly name a podcast? And there's actually a lot of considerations that go to it, even though it seems like it'd be an intuitive choice. It's actually a very unintuitive thing to do. And James has had some great thoughts about it. I mean, you've launched how many podcasts now?
1: <laughs> yeah, we've done well over 100. Uh, it might be knocking down the door 200 podcasts at this point. And just to give folks context, our experience is in the B2B space. So we are specifically going to be talking here about uh, naming B2B podcasts, podcasts that typically are aligned with what we call content-based networking. So shows that are not just intended to grow an audience, but also intended to help you attract your ideal buyer or ideal strategic partners as guests on your show as well. So give a little bit of context before we dive into
0: this. Absolutely. So why would you say like, this is even important? Why is this critical to get right? The first yeah, time. so
1: so the name of your show, it, you know, as we were talking about before we started recording this, Dan, like the name of your show is foundational. I mean, imagine if your house had, you know, a shaky foundation, or if you, you know, were to build your house on sand as opposed to concrete. It it makes such a massive impact on you know, it has long-term implications of the success of your show. And it's important because it's going to determine your audience and it's going to determine the type of guests that you can get on the show. And if you want to be strategic with your podcast and you want it to stand the test of time, you obviously want your show to attract ideal listeners that can actually buy your products or service or refer your product and service to, you know, to your ideal buyers, but you also want your show to be able to attract your ideal clients as guests on your show. Because when when you have an ideal client as a guest on your show, it's the fastest way to build a meaningful one-to-one relationship with somebody. Uh, it's the fastest way I've found, anyway, to do that. And relationships and B2B are a huge part of success. If, if somebody knows, likes, and trusts you, then they are likely going to buy from you when they have a need for what it is that you offer. So that's why I think it's so important to nail the name of your show.
0: Absolutely. And as a marketer, I think All marketers know the importance of a name, right? Like the name of your company matters. The name of your lead product, it really matters. It sets the expectations for what it is, what it does, maybe how it makes you feel. There's just a lot of things that pivot on that name. So it's worth taking the time to do it well. Yeah. Um, What are some common elements you find uh, make up a good name?
1: Yeah so as i thought about this you know i i think a name has to be authoritative it needs to be really strong and position you as the leader in your industry or uh, in in your space we're going to get into some nuances and some examples later but it needs to be authoritative the shorter the better so we were actually doing some digging on apple podcasts before we started this episode and you realized that A lot of podcast names get truncated. And so if you have a show name that is more than, I think, 22 characters, it is likely going to get truncated. It's somewhere around 22 to 23 characters. And that matters. You don't, you obviously don't want your show name to get truncated. Uh, There, there are shows in Apple podcasts that do go longer than that. And they're still successful. So we're not saying that you can't have a successful show. You can't build brand around your show to overcome having a truncated name. But if you're being thoughtful about what the show name is on the front end, keep that in mind under under 23 characters if possible. This next element is you need to be clear. So many people try to get cute and fancy and they try to incorporate a lot of different things about their brand and their expertise into the show name but above all, your show name should be crystal clear. When, when someone is searching for a topic that they're interested in, in, in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and they see your show, that's what you want to happen, right? You want them searching for what they want to consume. And you want your show name to be so clear that your show pops up whenever they're typing what they want to listen to. And they need to have no doubt what your show is about people. Miss, we're we're going to talk about some common mistakes later in this, but uh, people mess that up a lot. It's an easy thing to mess up because it's it. Like you said earlier in the episode, this this naming st- or this what this approach to naming your show is not. It, it's not intuitive. It's actually pretty counterintuitive. But these are things that we've learned over time that we have to be mindful of. So make sure your show name is clear. I want to talk about something here, Dan, because you mentioned it uh, before we started recording and it's, you know, should you use the word podcast or show in your yep. name? Yep. And, <laughs> and I think that, you know, this falls into the, you know, elements of a name, right? And so we've got some shows, you know, we're a, we're a podcast first media company, but we're also a podcast agency. So we have our own shows based on things that we've learned from the you know, 100 plus shows that we produce for other companies. But then we also are producing a lot of new shows every month for the shows that we don't own. And so for our shows, you know, we've got one of our podcasts, it's called The Manufacturing Show. But we've got another show called B2B Growth, which you're listening to now. We've got another one called Crafting Culture. So we go both ways. We've got another one called The CIO Show. So as I started thinking about why is using show in one context better than the other and i think first we'll start by saying should we use the word show or podcast and my my thinking has evolved over time on this i think that using the word show is better. And and this is only a recent realization for me. I think using the word show is better because it actually opens up your media property to being used in a lot of different contexts. So let's say you want to translate or repurpose content from your podcast onto YouTube or a LinkedIn live series. Being able to use the same name across platforms uh, means you need to use the word show instead of podcast. So I would air right now, you know, as we're recording this, May of 2020. My stance is I think you should air. If you're going to use one or uh, one or the other show or podcast in your show name, I would say use show. But let's talk about when to actually use show. So when you look at a show name like, I don't know, let's use two of our shows. So Crafting Culture and The Manufacturing See, yeah.
0: Show. Oh, the Manufacturing.
1: Yeah, so the reason we use in the show name The Manufacturing Show is because manufacturing is a big industry. It's a very authoritative name and we're going to be covering a lot of ground on that show. So the more authoritative the name, the the bigger the industry, or I don't even want to say the bigger the industry. If you're covering an entire industry, then it's likely that you're going to need show as the noun in your show name, because for us, manufacturing becomes the adjective, the manufacturing show. It's the, the, or I don't know if it's necessarily the adjective. It is the descriptor of show. So what kind of show? The manufacturing show, as opposed to B2B growth, which does not does not necessarily need to have show in, in the name. And so it, what are your thoughts on this, Dan?
0: Yeah, it does sound weird to have a show that doesn't have that descriptor in it. I mean, you think of even our other show, like the CIO show. It just looks totally weird standing by itself. The CIO or just CIO, like it's it like lacks enough description. Like it's not a complete yeah. description without the word show in it. Yep. Um, it just needs a little bit more in order for it to be viable.
1: Yeah. So if we if we were to have named it the Effective CIO that does it. Like it yep. it rolls off your tongue better and you have a descriptor in there. And then CIO, which is the, you know, we're going to talk about coming common naming frameworks later, but the job title of the ideal listener or your ideal guest is now the thing being described and that's where it makes sense. Yep. So those are my thoughts on on the common elements of a good name.
0: Yep. And I even think of like, Joe Rogan. I mean, he just moved his whole show to Spotify. It's for not even. A, it's not even an Apple Podcast anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's now a show on Spotify, and I don't think is Spotify even using the word podcast as a. I don't know a description. It's just audio. It's just it's just content for them. So it's yeah. like podcast. It's like uh, it might be here five years from now, ten years from now. It might not. Shows not going anywhere. It's just a yeah. description for
1: the tonight shows been or for a while.
0: So it's a little bit more timeless and less characters. You have to deal with less syllables, more memorable. Yep. So now that we've gone over some of the good elements, let's jump into some of the common mistakes people are making with names. What do you find that people are usually struggling with, James?
1: The biggest thing that I see companies struggling with is naming the podcast after themselves. And there are five common pitfalls that people want to name their show after. They either want to name it after their company name so just the sweetfish media podcast being the example there they want to name it after their tagline they want to name it after one of their core values or an amalgamation of their core values they want to name it after themselves so this is particularly relevant for like consultants you see a lot of people that are kind of solopreneurs or consultants that want to name their show after their own name and then a lot of companies want to name their show after their own expertise and this is a mistake for a lot of different reasons but it's a mistake ultimately because it alienates you from being able to connect with your ideal customer and who wants to be a guest on a show about something they know nothing about so if you were to ask me dan if you were to start you know the seo podcast And you were to reach out to me and let's say you were an SEO consultant and you wanted to do business with me because you worked with, you know, small growing businesses and I'm the decision maker. So you reach out to me and say, Hey James, I want to feature you on the SEO podcast. Well, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a marketer, but I don't know anything about SEO. So by you naming your show around your expertise or in your case Dan one of your expertises then you're alienating yourself from being able to talk to your ideal clients which in this example is me and i see this happening all the time what it does is it ends up mapping to you building an audience with all of your competitors right it's it's your peers in the industry right so one of our one of our customers is pandadoc they're a co-host on one of our shows the b2b sales show and Had they decided to not be a part of one of our collective shows, let's say that they had decided to start their own podcast and they built the show around proposals, which is what they do. It's the software for sales proposals. Had they named their show around sales proposals, who do you think is going to want to listen to that show? Other people that live and breathe (laughs) sales proposals which are their competitors. You're going to have folks you know, like other, other SaaS companies that offer proposal software are going to be listening to that show because it's all about sales proposals. Most people, the VPs of sales that they're trying to attract, don't think about sales proposals all day. It's a part of what they do for sure. And they certainly have to think about it. But nobody's going to want to listen to an entire show about sales proposals. So instead, they've said, hey, we want to be a part of the B2B sales show because that's more encompassing of what our ideal buyer is going to care about. And so it's much more strategic for PandaDoc to be a co-host on the B2B sales show than it is for them to start a podcast solely about sales proposals. It's too narrow. It's too specific. It's not going to attract your ideal buyer. And if it does, or it's only going to attract them for a limited amount of time, the amount of time that they're actually maybe looking for sales proposal software. And that's just not what you want out of your podcast. You want you want someone listening to your show for years. I mean, with B2B yes. growth, we're in active deal cycles with people right now that have been listening to our show for years. And because we've built trust with them over, over time, now that podcasts are really having a moment and that people are really starting to take this platform seriously, especially with COVID and everything that's going on in the world, we're now top of mind because we've been educating them about things far outside the scope of our expertise, which is B2B podcasting for years and years and years. So they trust us. Now they're coming to us to actually do their podcast for them. So those are the common mistakes. You do not want to name it after your company, your tagline, your values, yourself, or your expertise.
0: It's so funny because it's so... Counterintuitive. I mean, you named your website after you. You named your social media profiles after you. Why wouldn't you name your podcast after you? But podcasting's a little bit different in this regard because you're asking people to come on as guests, where you're usually not doing that as much in your blog or in your newsletter or on your website. Like your show, if you're a guest based show like B2B Growth, you're It's a totally different game. So you have to take different considerations into account. So now that we've kind of gone through some best practices and some mistakes, can you give us the framework that you use at Sweetfish Media to name shows?
1: Yeah, so we've got a few different frameworks that we use to name shows. One of the frameworks is your ideal buyer's industry plus your ideal buyer's role. So the example here would be the healthcare CFO show or the healthcare CFO. The second framework would be your ideal buyer's industry plus a generic role. So this could be something like the oil and gas executive. And another one that we don't use a lot, honestly, but it is something to consider when it works. It's how-to plus What your ideal buyer is responsible for doing. So, something like how to sell homes, if you were doing a podcast that wanted to attract real estate agents.
0: So, those are good. And I have them kind of in my mind, but give me some examples to kind of like clarify what that means. So, give me an example of like your first option.
1: Yeah. So, the healthcare CFO, right? So, you're covering your buyer's industry, which is healthcare and the person that you're wanting to attract, which is the CFO, you're doubling down on the niche. You could also do the CFO show and talk to a wide variety of CFOs, but I think you'll probably get traction a little bit quicker with that double niche. And especially if you only care about reaching healthcare CFOs, then the healthcare CFO show is is gonna be fantastic for you. Another framework that I think is is. Very authoritative, and this would be a, this would be a fourth framework. But it's the industry or category show. So we've used this for the manufacturing show. We've got one of our customers that does the customer experience podcast, and with the customer experience podcast, I was actually on site doing a media day with another customer, and he rolled up to the uh, the office that morning where we were going to be filming, and he was like, "Hey, guess what? Like on my way into the office, I was searching for new podcasts." And I typed in customer experience into Apple Podcasts and look what popped up. And he threw up on the screen in the office, his phone, so we all could see it. And it was the customer experience podcast from our customer, BombBomb. And all he did was search customer experience in Apple Podcasts, because that's the category that he was interested in learning more about that that particular morning. That person, it was a VP of marketing at a tech company they are an ideal buyer for BombBomb. BombBomb is a video email platform where you can send one-to-one personal videos through email. And they did not do the video email podcast because that guy would not have been searching video email on his way to work that morning. He was searching customer experience. And so going back to those common elements, thinking of a name that's authoritative. And I think I, I wonder if a lot of people stay away from this because of imposter syndrome. Or like, who am I to do the customer experience podcast? But when you think about it, there's no, there's no monopoly on these names, right? There's right. no, there's nobody out there saying like only Oracle and only Adobe and only the massive brands can, can own these names, especially in a platform that is rising, like podcasting right now. Like there's so much availability in, in terms of, you know, names that are, that are out there. Let's capitalize on that. In a 2020 environment, before every company on the planet has a show, man, get started and and own your piece of the landscape with a really authoritative name.
0: James, while you were talking, I pulled up a research survey that I just saw the other day. And it says that of the 780 people who took the survey, 40% prefer to search their listening apps directory to discover new podcasts. 40%. 40%. Yep. yep. That's not surprising. That's a lot of people. It's it's A lot of people are just searching for what they want in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify, which means SEO kind of becomes a big deal when it comes to podcasts. And the best way you're going to get the SEO is by naming your podcast after the thing. Number one ranking factor. Yeah. I know it's the number one ranking factor. It's what's going to pull up.
1: The thing that has led to the most growth with our show, with B2B Growth, the show that you're listening to right now, the number one way we've been able to grow the audience for this show is the fact that we rank for the term B2B. So when you search B2B in Apple Podcasts, it fluctuates between one and two, but we're either the first result or the second result when you search B2B in Apple Podcasts. And you cannot understate how valuable that is because there are a lot of people searching B2B. And when I look at shows that are just struggling to get traction, it is because... They have failed to name their show in such a way that it's going to rank for something in Apple Podcasts, and it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know. Just because you name it, maybe it's a very competitive space. Maybe there are other factors that Apple's looking at. It does. It's not necessarily a shoe in. But you're not even going to get the opportunity to sit at the table if your show is named around your company values or your company name. You're not even going to have a shot. Right. if you screw up the name and don't and don't name it around the persona or the industry of your ideal buyer and going back to the pandadoc thing like you can if they were to rank for sales proposals that's great but again who's listening to shows about sales proposals it's companies that live and breathe sales proposals which are also your competitors so do yeah. you want to build an audience of your competitors or do you want to build an audience of your ideal buyer uh, and so you just need to be much more strategic uh, whenever you're thinking through the name of your show. I think listening to this episode is going to help a ton.
0: Yep. You gave me one example before we jumped on the show that I'll, I'll give real quick that I think really illustrates how far it should go. And you talked about the Innovative Agency show. Yeah. It is a podcast yeah, for, it's no show. for it's
1: just Yeah, it's just the Innovative Agency. So no show okay. at the end. So yep. the Innovative Agency, again, going back to that framework, innovative is the descriptor there. So it's the innovative agency. Who doesn't, as an agency owner, who doesn't want to be on a show, who doesn't want to be featured on a show called the innovative agency? Because effectively, it's them being able to tell their peers whenever they go to promote the episode, hey, I've been featured on the innovative agency. Look, somebody thinks I'm innovative. So <laughs> your, your potential customers that you're, sending that you're sending that message to, being featured on a show like the innovative agency is, a, is an ego stroke. It makes you look awesome. But what's also interesting to me about that show, Dan, and I'm glad you brought this up. The woman that hosts it is an IP attorney. The name of her firm is Legal and Creative. She's an attorney, but she didn't do a show about law because if she did a show about law, who would be listening to her show? Her peers, people that don't need her service because they're a lawyer themselves. So instead she flipped it and she said, no, I'm going to, I serve agency owners. That's who she is an attorney for. And those are her sweet spot ideal clients, our agency owners. So she knows that if she names her show around that persona, as opposed to her own expertise, the show is going to have a much more strategic benefit for her business. Because even if she doesn't rank for the term agency, she's still attracting ideal clients as guests on her show. And last time I looked, I think she'd had 70 plus episodes, which means that's 70 plus interviews that she's done with people that could potentially turn into her clients.
0: Yeah. I love that example because it really shows how far the framework can go because even with us B2B growth it's like Sweetfish Media is still while well, we're a media company we still provide marketing services so it's still to B2B companies so it still kind of makes sense it's just broader than what we do. But in her example she's she offers no creative services. And, and law is not innovative at all. In fact, you don't really want to be innovative with law. You want to stick to the precedent, right? <laughs> and yep. you want to be safe. So she's actually going a huge step away from what she actually does to serve and find and attract the right audience that she yep. can then sell to. And,
1: and think about think about what that does. So whenever you hear that, I can imagine people thinking, well, if I'm an attorney and not an agency owner, how am I going to have a show that's all about being an innovative agency? And the answer is you don't. You put the bulk of the weight of the content on your guests, at least at first. So when I started B2B Growth, Dan, I was not a B2B marketer. I didn't have a background in marketing. I I didn't know the first thing about being a B2B marketer. Actually, when we started the show, we thought it was going to be geared towards VPs of sales because we thought everybody would see the light on content-based networking much sooner than they did. And and so I thought, man, VPs of sales are going to use this and they're going to turn their SDRs into co-hosts of their company's podcast and it's going to be awesome. Well, VPs of sales don't have budget for podcasting. So we ended up having to shift over to marketing. And so 150 episodes in, I said, okay, I'm going to interview marketers instead of salespeople. So the entire theme of the show changed. Fortunately, we didn't have to change the name of the podcast. But the entire theme changed and I had to, I had to learn. Like I had spent 150 episodes learning how VPs of sales talk, what they, what they care about, what their challenges are, where they see opportunities. And just as I was starting to get comfortable with that lingo and starting to sound like a peer on the phone with them, now I had to switch it again. But I was able to do it because when you're interviewing the people that do have that expertise, all you have to do is sit back and extract that knowledge. And over time it doesn't, you know, I'm dense, so it doesn't take 150 episodes. You you do five or 10 episodes with your ideal client. And how much better of a business does that create whenever you now intimately know your buyer, you know what's keeping them up at night, you know what they're challenged by, you know, what they're excited about and it aligns you to your buyer in such a powerful way whenever they are really the crux they're the center point of your content strategy because you literally can't you can't know all there is to know about their expertise because your expertise is something entirely different but that brings this beautiful alignment whenever whenever you brand your show
0: that way yeah Man, I've loved the content of this episode. It's It's been needed to be recorded for a while and I can't wait. I wanted to do one last thing before we close out though, and that's cover some of the objections, at least that I've heard, when it comes to naming your show this way. Again, it's so counterintuitive. And even after hearing some of the arguments we've made, there's some common objections that I hear like, yes, but what about this? What about that? So let's go through some of those. And I, wanna, yeah. I wanted to ask you personally, because I actually don't know the answer to some of the objections. And then two... Um, I just think it'll be helpful not only for our own customers, but for the rest of the community out there to fully understand the framework despite these these shortcomings or apparent shortcomings. First is, the first one I hear is, well, that sounds too generic, James. Why should I call mine that it's not memorable? It's not going to stand out.
1: Yeah so I would say it it goes back to search. So you don't want to over index on search right? You don't want to you don't want to only consider search. You've also got to consider brand as well. But with the podcast channel, like you said, 40% of people say that they found shows based on searching things in Apple Podcasts. Now, I don't know what the other 60% is. It's probably you know a collection of a lot of different things. Hearing people talk about a particular show would be a big one. I think word of mouth is big with podcasting. But 40% is a big number. And, and that's really interesting. So if it means being a little generic in order to capture that search, then awesome the other thing that i think generic is synonymous with is authority i think one could say it's too generic and i would say it's authoritative and so yeah. you got to trust your gut on that and and really challenge your thinking is this generic or is it authoritative
0: yep yeah. and so closely aligned with that they i've often heard like it's not creative enough and what i think they mean by creative enough is it's not very it's just not very fun
1: yeah so i think fun is the killer of a good name <laughs> a strategic name i should say now you can overcome this you know i was i was listening to one of our one of our sales calls on chorus the other day and we had a customer where logan was talking through the naming strategy and they said well you know drift has done it with seeking wisdom and yeah drift was able to do it Drift also raised like $120 million and they put out an enormous... They're they're very much a marketing organization. They have a big marketing team. They're spending lots of dollars in putting on those hyper growth events and doing. I see them all over Instagram. I mean, they're spending an enormous amount of money in advertising and getting exposure for their brand. They've got a massive email list. Their product has a ton of users. So them starting a show called seeking wisdom, which is very broad and is not necessarily, you know, their industry or category that worked for them because they're raised a lot of money and they did a really good job of building brands. So I'm not saying that what we're saying here is the only way to go, but you have to be honest with yourself. Are we going to spend the kind of money that Drift is spending on promoting our show? And if not, then we probably need to be thinking about it in a more strategic way. So that's, that's what I would say there.
0: The next one I hear is that the show name, if it's too generic, it doesn't connect people to what we actually do.
1: Yeah. And I would say that's a great thing. You actually don't want the show to be about you. Like Donald Miller says all the time, you don't want to be the hero of your own story. You want your customer to be the hero of your story. And so had we named our show the B2B Podcasting Show or Sweetfish Media Podcast, it wouldn't it wouldn't be getting 100 to 120,000 downloads a month. Because nobody cares about not that many people care about B two B podcasting and not that many people care about Sweetfish Media, and so because we named it B two B growth, B two B growth being something that people are very interested in, it's just a much wider net to attract potential buyers. Way more people are interested in your industry than they are your specific expertise. And so you want to go after that uh, instead of being far too narrow and only attracting people that maybe happen to be in market right now. Now, the beautiful thing and something we don't talk a lot about and we don't need to go on too much of a rabbit trail here, but you can always have a series within your show that's about your expertise. So literally, you're listening to it right now. This episode in B2B Growth is in the how to podcast. Series, so we're talking about something very specific to our expertise, yep. and at the beginning of the headline, we're putting in hashtag how to podcast. So that's a great way to integrate and connect your expertise into your show without necessarily naming your show that thing. So we were talking to you know one of our customers the other day, and he's like, "Man, we could go after." asset managers or property managers. And they do uh, prop tech is kind of the industry. And they were thinking about a name around prop tech. And the ideal listener is either an asset manager or a property manager. And Logan was like, well, what if What if the name was multifamily? Because multifamily sits above both of those things. It can be attractive to an asset manager and it can be attractive to a property manager. And they can have a series within the multifamily show that is hashtag prop tech. And so you can get creative with how you incorporate your expertise into the show without actually naming the podcast in a way that's detrimental to you long-term.
0: And the last question I have for you is what do you do if there's already names out there that are generic? So you want the CIO show, but there's already the CIO podcast the and the CIO how to be a CIO or something like that. Like, what yeah. do you do when there's already kind of names out there in the space? And you, you can find one that's different than them, but they're, they're pretty much the same.
1: I would say be better than those shows. Have a better, have better cover art, get more ratings on your show, tap every single one of your employees, all, you know, get your customers, get your referral partners, get your family, your friends, get everybody, you know, leaving a review for that show. Do better content have better interviews, be more thoughtful in the way you ask questions, be more strategic in the guests that you bring on, be better is what I would say there. But don't don't let that be a deterrent for going after a great name.
0: Perfect. Well, James, thank you so much for illuminating this topic for us, helping us understand what it takes to win with the podcast name.
1: One of the things we've learned about podcast audience growth is that word of mouth works it works really, really well, actually. So if you love this show, it would be awesome if you texted a friend to tell them about it. And if you send me a text with a screenshot of the text you sent to your friend, meta, I know, I'll send you a copy of my book, Content-Based Networking, How to Instantly Connect with Anyone You Want to Know. My cell phone number is 407-490-3328. Happy texting.